0: In black and the offense uh, is back uh, in action after uh, piss pounding uh, you and I last week.
1: How'd you like that one, Bill? That's what the doctor ordered. It was a cure for what ailed us. Um, that thirteen to three struggle against Iowa State and you know kind of the first half ineptitude against Northern Illinois. I was a, a little concerned. Maybe I still am, but. Uh, that was classic Hawkeye football, and I'm I'm just so excited for Wisconsin. I, I hope the team's kind of hit its stride, and 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 I hope uh, you know whether the the offense is is going come Saturday night.
0: Tori, you liked uh, the offense, but do you uh, do you want to qualify it a little bit for the level of competition, or did you uh, uh, were you sold? Are they back?
2: Um. Well, you know, Jim, I think you hit the nail on the head during the game when you said that it was kind of the equivalent of a. Uh, scrimmage against a team that doesn't like you. <laughs> um, you know, you and I UNI was not great. Uh they're definitely not a vintage you and I team. But I do think uh building confidence is never a bad thing, right? I mean, god, how many times have we seen Iowa like even struggle maybe in a spring game or something like that. I mean, Stanley had touched the receivers got open. Uh the line created holes, the line created push, so, you know, I don't have a lot to complain about. I thought they looked uh sharp and I think uh that's a nice tune-up.
0: Yeah, well, uh, well put. So welcome to 12 Saturdays. I'm James Bladle and with me is Tori Brecht and Bill Delahant. And I agree with you, Tori. I mean, there were a lot of plays there, especially some of those uh, long plays, the touch passes from Stanley, that uh, doesn't matter who you're playing with. It doesn't matter even if there's anybody else on the field. I mean, just to get the timing right, I think, was a, a beneficial practice. Um, and we certainly have seen this thing go the other way, where a... Uh, um, presumably, overmatched opponent comes into Kinnick and and Iowa just kind of stumbles all over their own feet all day. So um, nice to see it. Nice to see it work out the way it did. My stat of the week, you guys:
2: Nate Stanley has never lost a preseason or non-conference
0: game that he's started. Yeah, that, I like even it. Even including a bowl game too, you could throw in there. Get guys out of the Big Ten, and Nate's going to make them pay. I tell you, man, he's like the best of uh, um, CJ and Stanzi combined, right?
1: (laughs) I will uh, piggyback off what Tory said and say that this was the sixth time in Kirk Ferentz's uh, 20 seasons that he has completed the out-of-conference slate undefeated.
0: When was the last time that happened? Um, It was 2015. Or was it last he did it year? Oh, yeah.
1: Last year, then oh, yeah. before that, it was 2015. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We don't so three talk in a the... row, though? Three in a row? No, we don't talk about the North Dakota thing. Nah,
1: no, that was 2016, and we don't talk about that, Tori. <laughs> oh,
0: that's right. I forgot about that whole year, actually, for many reasons. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fair. Well, my stat that I loved was uh, that Nick Easley was uh, the first time. What was that? It was the first time that Iowa. Had a wide receiver make ten receptions in a game since what was it like Keenan Davis in twenty eleven? Weird. It was the the Pit game where we had the massive comeback. Do you remember that massive crazy comeback against Pitt? Oh
1: yeah, yeah. That was such a quiet ten receptions too, at least to me. And I was I, I was drinking, so maybe that uh, <laughs>
0: explains that. Bill, but no it was but a six thirty had... kickoff. Everybody was drinking. <laughs>
1: Right. Noah Fant, you know, uh, by the way, my pick to click. He had his five receptions, all it seemed like in the first quarter, I think, for 99 yards. But Nick Easley, yeah, he spaced it out. Ten receptions, 103 yards, and one TD. That's uh, good for
2: him. Do you know why it didn't feel like that much, Bill? Because I just rewatched the game last night, and I figured it out. It's because they were almost like runs. I mean, they were just those real quick one-hitters. I hate to say it, kind of like the Greg Davis offense. But they were actually working. You know, Stanley would get the ball and bam, just throw it right out yep. on run pass option. I think three of the kind of longer 10 to 12 yard games were actually on RPOs uh, where it could have gone to the running back. But it's essentially the using your quick passing game as a running game, which is why I, I agree with you 100 percent, Bill. It didn't feel like a traditional wide receiver getting 10 receptions at over 100 yards kind of game because, you know, I'd say probably 75 percent of his catches were at or behind the line of scrimmage all of what you said sounds totally researched and professional i'm gonna
1: go with you and believe you on that
0: <laughs> and be careful that's how we get you <laughs> it was on
2: the tv bill so it must be true
0: <laughs> yeah I, I remember also uh, that stanley spread it around quite a bit so i think there were what was it like eight or ten or twelve uh, folks were you know even the fullback caught a reception uh and then who was it was it uh, brady ross hurtled a guy uh, mm. or or something I'm like man when you're, now, when
1: you're that was Hawkinson, oh, Hawkinson? Who hurtled the guy however Brady Ross did kind of a somersault yes. uh through the line of scrimmage on a run yes uh
0: so yeah I mean that qualifies as acrobatics I, mean, when, I suppose when your fullback is leaving his feet and when your tight end is hurtling a safety I, I think you're gonna have a good day So you you guys know how like Rich Rodriguez brought the spread and then Chip Kelly had all that thing.
2: I I predict that once Brian Ferentz is the head coach of Iowa, that we're going to unleash an attack where we have nothing on the field, but offensive linemen, fullbacks and tight ends. And it's going to be like (laughs) the new, I don't know what the name of it is yet, but it's going to be like some kind of unstoppable force of offense or some The four tight end set.
1: I'm going to uh, venture a Norm Parkerism. He had a, a thing where he would talk about dancing bears on roller skates or something like that. Let's, <laughs> As a tribute to Norm Parker, let's call Brian Ferentz's imaginary <laughs> offense that we're pitching tonight. The dancing bears on roller skates offense. No. Just the dancing bears offense. I like that. There wow. you go.
0: All ju- fullbacks and tight ends and O-linemen. I just like that we're having a lighthearted and fun conversation about Iowa's offense. <laughs> <laughs> it's a couple weeks overdue. Uh, but something yeah, like how f- often does that happen? 500, uh, 500 total yards, and, and even, you know, and I think, and Tori, you and I were talking during the game, that um, really invaluable that the second and even third string and all those freshmen got so much meaningful playing time there. Uh, almost, I would say, the bulk of the possessions of the fourth quarter were manzel or had some freshman on the field and um that tyrone tracy had a nice reception manzel had a good run and then he then he threw a pick and yeah and fumbled. i
1: i, I kind of wanted to talk them up before we looked ahead to the the mighty badger uh tyrone tracy um i read on pro football focus which uh if you subscribe to hawkeye report you can get all that info as well mm-hmm. a little plug for tom Kakert there he graded out better than any of our receivers in that game and any receiver to date, and he's just a true freshman. Um, so maybe he's a guy angling for some more playing time. I don't know, but I'd, I'd be in for, in favor of that. And then Peyton Manziel, didn't he look like Drew Tate a little bit out there, running yeah. and it, slinging it around? No? He,
2: he, I, I, what I liked, I liked Jim, Jim, I think, during the game was like, the best thing about Peyton Manziel is whatever he does is going to be exciting. It's going to be a pass to our team. It's going to be a scramble for 20 yards. Or it's going to be put the ball on the field and they recover it or throw
0: an <laughs> interception to them. I mean, whatever.
2: Are you not entertained whatever, when that dude yeah. has the ball? Yeah.
0: Whatever he does, it seems he seems to do it at high speed. So uh... Whenever, when I tell my guys that
1: I'm coaching, if you're going to make a mistake, do it going 100 miles an hour. So,
0: <laughs> Well... He's he's uh, he must be listening to that advice. And then, <laughs> of course, the uh, you know while we're gushing about the uh, offense, like a couple of K-pop fangirls, uh, we could also <laughs> point out that the uh, the defense was once again just suffocating. I think one of the online blogs called Iowa's Defense a um, a, a, a rolling uh, bowling ball covered in chainsaws um, because nobody wants any piece of that. It was just smothering. Uh, run game, I think at beginning of the fourth quarter, was negative two rushing yards for you uh, uh, for and I. I think they had a couple of, uh, you know, the token scores at the end there. And actually, those, a couple of those were a little concerning because we can get into that a little bit later, but I think the two passes came against uh, uh, Ojumudia and Hooker. Um, so it wasn't like they were throwing it, it, against the scrubs, you know, or the it backups. was our
1: it was our starting back seven that they were throwing against. I, yeah. I think it
2: was a backup D line. Wow. Well, so that, see, though, that that just shows you how important having the guys up front getting even a little pressure. Because yes. I remember at one point, Jim, when you mentioned uh, about how you and I had a couple guys open, you're like, oh, geez, if those throws had been on target. They could have actually hurt us a little bit. Well, on my rewatch last night, I noticed that again there was no sack, but they made they were right at the uh, quarterback's ankles and making him uncomfortable, and he airmailed both of them. So, I mean, I, I you just can't underestimate how valuable it is to have that front four that just uh,
0: raises havoc. Yeah, but I mean, my concern there, Tori, was when in saying that was yes, I agree with you. The hurries and the rushes and the, and just kind of getting them out of their element is important. To disrupting the passing game, but I don't think that's going to be as effective against like Trace McSorley or Hornybrook. I mean, those guys are veterans; they're going to stand in there and take the shot and find their guy if they're that wide open. So I,
2: I'll, I'll give you McSorley, but Hornybrook I think, is kind of a suck ass quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just I I've never been impressed by that guy. Well, I I not saying,
0: right? I'm not saying I'm not saying talent wise. I'm just saying he's been around the block now three years, so uh, he doesn't get rattled. Is my point.
2: Well, Josh Jackson, Mike, some I know that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, overall, I mean, uh, what a great experience. Uh, I, I do, I think, and again, it's hard to find something to complain about with this performance, but I would say the penalties were also a little concerning because some of them were very inopportune, and some of them were just, I'll just say, just bullshit. Um, and I think there's some discussion about that. Uh, um, Gervais' pass breakup that they called for pass interference was uh, was a joke and when they showed it in the stadium everybody just went nuts because it was totally clean
1: when they showed it on tv the announcers were on iowa's side there and yeah you're absolutely right jim we had 10 penalties for 88 yards and it's hard to get anything going offensively and it's hard to keep any momentum when you're looking at that and that's That is definitely concerning.
2: Well, I even thought that the block in the back on the nice punt return Grunwick had was a little touchy, too. I mean, Mm -hmm. apparently the back now entails your entire shoulder, even if it's on the side.
0: Um, I mean, you know, what are you supposed to do? Yeah, and then there was that uh, that bane of Kirk Ferentz's existence, whatever that new rule is about blocking five yards downfield below the waist or something. I think that just goes against his religion. Honestly, I mean, what's next? No punting. Right, Arizona, it
2: was yeah. There was three down, three yards to go, and he hit him before the first down marker. So how is that possibly passed by? What did you see, Bill?
1: Exactly that. And I, I read someplace. I think maybe Hawkeye Report today that somebody said that we've really had the B team of refs uh, to this point. We've had low grade crew for the Northern Illinois game, a Big Twelve team for Iowa State, and. And more of the same for this, I think a mixture of FCS or something, we'll get professional crews and hopefully that'll that'll <laughs> help us out come conference play, cause that block below below the waist thing or whatever,
0: that has sucked both times and it hasn't been legit either. Yeah, so we're gonna get somebody who can count to uh maybe count to five is what you're saying. <laughs> so so here a conspiracy
2: hopefully. a conspiracy a conspiracy theory I saw. And I want to get easy for you to say. Yeah. I want to hear what you guys have to say about it. But uh, somebody, and I think again, it was on hockey report. Somebody was saying that they're pretty sure that Kirk is telling guys to do those kind of blocks, at least a couple times a game on purpose so that he can compile a video of how difficult and (laughs) terrible it is to officiate. And then he's going to send it in to like the, I don't know, the magical refereeing, Convention like your, or whatever—I don't know. Referee what do you guys think? Hogwarts
0: you wherever Like, they hey, come from. I,
2: I, I am the O-line guru of all time, and here's why you suck and you're all wrong. You need to change this rule. <laughs> I got—I I don't necessarily buy it, but I like it.
0: He's crazy a, like a fox. He's building like a film portfolio, a video portfolio of uh, making his case for next year's summer meetings of why this rule needs right. to go right. But hey, let's let's not do that this week, though. No, 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 no. Well, as the boss would say, you know, we've got some things to clean up, no question. Penalties, mm. not good. But uh, but uh, I think we're out of the non-conference, unscathed, unblemished, unbeaten. I think we should toast this and move forward.
2: Hey, Jim, can I give one more little shout-out uh, before we turn the page, though? Yeah. I've been super, super impressed with the level of uh, crowd intensity, uh, the the noise level in Kinnick, the tailgating. I mean, yeah, the Iowa State game is always a big one. Um, but so far, the three games, it's been a raucous, rowdy atmosphere. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like that can do nothing but help as we build towards what, you know, shaping up that could be a pretty special season, hopefully.
0: I have a theory on that, by the way. We haven't had an eleven o'clock start yet this year.
2: There you go. I think no lethargy.
0: The earliest we've started <laughs> is two thirty, and I think that matters. I think getting people out of bed and trying to get chug a couple of Bloody Marys <laughs> when the sun's rising <laughs> so you can watch football. Uh, I don't think it works for the for the crowd factor. So, so uh, getting out of the non-conference, as you mentioned, Bill, it's not exactly something that happens every year uh, undefeated, and um, and also that coupled with a number of what we're seeing, you know, outside of the league, because it was a really, really tough Saturday for the Big Ten. Um I think everybody looks a little rough except maybe Ohio State and maybe Penn State. Uh and Penn State I think is still a question mark. And we have yet to see whether, you know, Wisconsin can bounce back. So question for you guys is uh how do your predictions for the season look? I know Tori you were probably on the optimistic side. I think you were saying 10 and 2 how's that look for you yeah i'm pretty sure that i said 9 and 3
2: and uh i mean honestly i'd be very disappointed if it's anything worse than that now um i i had us losing one of these preseason games um beating wisconsin and then um dropping probably the penn state game and then losing a little bit of a head scratcher I'm feeling a lot better about the Wisconsin game now. Purdue doesn't really scare me like they did earlier in the year. Nebraska's hot garbage. Mm. Um, I, 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 it's hard to count up losses barring something unforeseen, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and I had 10-2, and two, actually, and uh, I feel pretty good about that. I, I wish the offense looked better earlier out of the gate, uh, but, you know, that's, it's, it's water under the bridge now. I, I think, yeah, we're still going to split Wisconsin and Penn State. Uh, Penn state looks scary. Good. And I think we drop a, a dumb one, a silly one. Uh, maybe Purdue may hopefully
0: not Minnesota. Please don't let it be Nebraska, but yeah. Yeah. I think I was the pessimist amongst us and I was thinking we we're probably going to be eight and four again. Um, but I, I think I'm going to revise that upwards and Tori mark your calendar. Cause you never hear me do this. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, we're probably now sniffing nine and three, 10 and two territory because, um, I, I thought we'd drop one to Iowa State. I thought we'd get a scare from Northern Iowa. Drop one to Iowa State. I really thought that uh, Wisconsin and Penn State were world beaters. I, I think now we split, like you guys are saying. Um, I also had a lot more fear of Northwestern than I'm seeing. Um, I thought Purdue was going to be a lot tougher, and I, you know, and who knows? They're just an enigma. They they had this kind of year last season, and they managed to beat one beat us. So. I don't, I don't consider them a slam dunk, but, uh, and then, you know, Maryland does its, again, it's paradoxical, beat the crap out of Texas and then lose to, who was it? Temple? Um, Temple. so <laughs> I really don't know. Um, I, I, but, but I think you get past Wisconsin and look, Tori knows this and it's a joke you know, that I'm a pessimist and yet I book my, uh, room, my hotel rooms in Indianapolis every year. Okay. Um, Fully cancelable and refundable, of course. But uh, but this year, I think, you know, uh, this time next week, I might look like a genius having all those uh, hotel rooms booked in advance, right?
1: I think so. Hopefully we don't catch uh, Ohio State out for vengeance. Hopefully Michigan can, can beat them because I think we got Harbaugh's number.
0: Well, I, and even so, I mean, you got to beat somebody like Ohio State to be taken seriously. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you you, you got to figure whoever you end up against in in the championship you're either going to come up against somebody who managed to win that division or Ohio State or Penn State would be both potentially out for blood it would be a rematch against Penn State but anyway uh, you know what was it Farron said uh, Brian Farron's quoted and it's kind of a uh, a cliche but you know you want to be the man you got to beat the man and in this case I mean if we get to Indianapolis might have to beat the man twice
2: I am afraid of no man
0: well, uh, you know, but the good news is, I mean, there's no possible way that we could look like world beaters on offense one week and then come out and lay an egg against Wisconsin the next week, right? Because that's never No, happened. never. Ever. That's impossible. That breaks the laws of the football universe. I'm knocking wood right now.
3: <laughs>
0: All right, guys. Well, listen, we have a really great guest this week, and uh, kudos to Tori for lining up uh, uh, a football scientist. <laughs> it was your idea, Jim, so well, kudos uh, to you. But nobody answers my emails. He's going he's gonna to answer you. So, um, but uh, we have uh, joining us is Mike Zerath, uh, Mike Z from Hawkeye Report, and I think has a wealth of uh, uh, expertise on all things football-related and shares them sometimes on Hawkeye Report and certainly will, will value uh, his uh, contributions to our call today. So with that, we'll just welcome Mike.
2: Well, as Jim mentioned, we have a great guest this week. Uh, we actually dragged him out of retirement and off his bass boat where he's usually found pulling in very large, large mouth. But, uh, Mike Zerath, uh, former columnist on all things Hawkeye and then college football in general is, uh, joining us, uh, I believe from, uh, down in Texas. Is that right, Mike?
3: I'm actually in Houston this evening. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, Hey, I really appreciate you jumping on with us, uh, Nothing better to talk about when Wisconsin and Iowa start butting heads than a little bit of offensive line play. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to watch a little of the BYU game last year, but I I don't know. The Badgers, uh, maybe not this invincible machine that we've been led to believe. What what have you seen?
3: Yeah, I did uh, see most of the first half and part of the third quarter, and I would have to agree. I think they've got some chinks in the armor for sure.
0: Mike, you, uh, you know, you, you. Probably forgotten more about offensive line play than uh, than any of us could ever claim to know. But uh, but what what is it about the uh, the three four defense that uh, that Wisconsin plays, and I think a couple other schools put up against Iowa that just seems to give them fits? Is there something special about that, or or is there is it like the kryptonite to Kirk Ferentz's uh, O line
3: philosophy? I don't know if I'd call it the kryptonite. I think they just play with a lot of energy, and they they just have a desire. I don't know if they. I don't even know if that's the right word. They they just want to beat Iowa so bad that they just tend to want it worse than we do. I think at this point, the last couple of years anyway, they they manhandled the Iowa defense or the Iowa offensive line, uh, the last couple of years, and it's shown.
2: Yeah, I mean, Bill and I were sitting at Camp Rano. We ended up getting halfway decent seats. They were a little low, but low enough that you could really get a good view of the the line play. And like you said, Mike, in the trenches, it was not pretty for Iowa, especially in the second half. Um, what are some things that you think the, the offensive line could do different or better to, to maybe um, negate some of that energy that Wisconsin tends to bring?
3: You know, this is a lot of coach speak, but I think it just comes right down to the execution and, and using their technique. They have to stay true to the things that they've learned and just keep grinding. And I think it'll come. And I I, I know that Brian Ferencz and I know that Kirk Ferenc, uh believe that as well. And I think as a player, you have to believe it and just have to trust in what you've been taught and go from there. Yeah,
1: Mike, sitting in uh, Camp Randall last year, it seemed like Wisconsin like to bring a lot of blitzes from all over the field. Is that kind of what you've seen? And uh, does that kind of go back to what you were saying about, uh, you know, staying home and and fundamentals?
3: Yeah, I think so. Um, They were just, you know, throwing a lot of fogs in the wheel or however you want to look at it, I guess. They were putting more bodies into the area of play that they thought the the run was going to. And it was just clogging everything up. But um, BYU did that this past weekend, too. I don't know if you guys noticed it. But Taki uh, Taki, the linebacker, BYU, every time there was a hole, he just filled it. And that's what the linebackers for Wisconsin uh, did to Iowa the last couple of years.
2: Yeah, I mean, one thing that I noticed kind of switching uh, to the other side of the ball, Mike, was that um, BYU seemed to have a lot of success running to the perimeter on Wisconsin, kind of uh, doing a few yeah. jet sweeps, some tosses. It looked like Iowa was trying a little bit of that against you and I. Does that. Fit into Iowa's um, comfort zone? Uh, might we see something beyond just our usual zone left,
3: zone right this week? Well, I hope so. Um, I don't think it fits <laughs> in the zone at all. But uh, if they, you know, in film study and film review, I think they're going to see the same thing we saw, Tori, and that was exactly what you just said. Um, BYU attacked. Uh, the weakness of the Wisconsin defense. And the Wisconsin defense right now, the chinks in the armor, as I said earlier, there are they have their two defensive tackles are a walk-on and a converted offensive lineman. Their two defensive ends are starting their first year. Their two outside linebackers are starting their first year. And their two corners are starting their first year. So it made perfect sense for BYU to use those jet sweeps and use – uh, the trickeration or the the pass play that they used to score their, uh, I think it was their first touchdown, might've been their second, but it was, it was using the inexperience of those players against themselves and it seemed to work. All
0: day long. Yeah. Well, it certainly, uh, certainly gave them fits, uh, and I think played Wisconsin's game against them. But, uh, so switching gears just a little bit, you know, usually I think Iowa always has, uh, some star or some anchor on, um, uh, on the offensive line somebody who's going to go early uh, you know last last year of course being um, uh, James Daniels it, it seems like it's just every year we've got that standout offensive lineman and this year I don't I don't know I don't know if I can put my finger on who the the standout is I mean maybe next year Werfs will be that guy but it seems yeah. like they're just playing well together as a unit but without necessarily having that one guy that's head and shoulders above the, above the rest. I mean, does that line up with what you're seeing uh, during the games, or, or, um, or is it too soon to tell? Because I know we've kind of played around with the line configuration a little bit.
3: Uh, I don't think it's too soon to tell at all. Um, I think you're hitting it right on the money. Next year, I think Worfs is going to be the guy that everybody will talk about, whether uh, he's leaving early or not. I think the unsung hero this year so far has been Render at center. Hopefully he can continue to have a solid year and get some looks. Uh, and I think he will get some looks uh, from the NFL guys. Hey. Earth. We need him back badly.
2: Yeah, uh, I was going to say, I saw a, the, the. I think it was the right guard play was the kind of weak link uh, this, this last week a little bit. Um, is that something that you're seeing as well? And um you know, uh, what can shore that up?
3: I think just continuity is going to sh- shore it up, just games, uh, game experience, but, and I don't know that it actually matters if Cole's in there or not, but I, I think he's the best option. I was concerned going into the year about the interior of the offensive line, for sure, just from lack of experience. Uh, I wasn't concerned about the tackles, and then, of course, our tackles sat out the first game uh, for obvious reasons, and then as it was a little bit encouraging to see uh, Mark Kallenberger and uh, Dalton Ferguson uh, step in and do a, a really nice job against uh, Northern Illinois. And Dalton has continued to step in anytime he's asked and seems to have done a really nice job all year.
2: All right. I do have a non-offensive line question for you. Great. Um, <laughs> Alex Hornibrook, not real good, right? No, I don't think
3: so. <laughs> I, I think, Tory, I, I, I'm i going to go down the path you're leading me here. <laughs> the key to Iowa beating Wisconsin on Saturday is to throw everything at Jonathan Taylor and make Alex Morgan beat
2: you. I don't think he can. Well, yeah. and that's kind of what they did against Iowa State, isn't it? I mean, David Montgomery yeah. just destroyed them last year. And Iowa's was like, all right, you might beat us, but let's see what this Kempt fella or – I forget the other guy's name, and they couldn't do it. So, yeah, I love that game plan.
3: Yeah, I think it's a good one. The other thing is uh, Stanley's going to have to throw. Yeah. Even though Wisconsin, you know, I said earlier, Wisconsin's got some youth or inexperience on their defense, I guess. If I was going to be successful and beat Wisconsin on Saturday, they're going to have to do exactly what they always do, which is establish the run. But Nate Stanley is going to have to have the type of game that he had against you and I, throwing the ball. And our receivers are going to have to catch it, not drop it. They're just going to have to continue to gain positive yardage and, and move the ball. Throw a little bit at them that they're not expecting. And it, it seems like it's possible this year. BYU, BYU had an excellent game. I think they laid the groundwork for everybody. It's going to be Wisconsin for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, I, I I completely agree with you, Mike. I mean, it, you got to make them one dimensional and not allow them to do the same to you. But I mean, even if that were the case, I like Stanley and our receivers uh, versus Hornybrook and theirs. Um, if that's what it comes down to, but but I think my concern is that I think that was where we were trying to go last year, obviously without uh, without much yeah. success.
3: For a guy that saw. 21 straight Iowa-Wisconsin games, whether it was in Madison or Iowa City. uh, That had to be a low point.
1: Yeah, and uh, Brian Ferentz even said that maybe he outthought himself in that because it seemed like we were getting good yardage on first down but kind of tried to throw the ball on uh, second and third and it just didn't work out for us. Um, But I want to go back to a point that you made uh, a little bit ago about um, uh, BYU kind of laying the groundwork. Because it seems like uh, there are a lot of years where a team might lose a game before they play Iowa. And and the point could be made that, yeah, those teams that had beaten those teams uh, had laid the groundwork. And it, and it seems like, Kirk, kind of, you know, we're going to still play Iowa ball. We're not going to go outside of ourselves. Do you see maybe that happening this year? Do you see Brian Ferentz maybe looking at that BYU tape and seeing... Hey, uh, you know, there's something here that maybe we haven't done yet or, or that that we we haven't shown yet.
3: I think your guess is as good as mine, Bill. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know. Spoken <laughs> like somebody
2: that's watched twenty Kirk years of percent. Kirk parents
1: Right. Yeah, try trying to figure Kirk Ferrance out. I don't think we
3: ever will. Um <laughs> it, he'll never be that guy that is running a you know, a hurry up tempoed offense, although I, I actually think that's a that's the way they need to run it against Wisconsin this year to take them out of their game and put them on their heel. I think it doesn't even have to be a hurry-up tempo. It just needs to be, you know, get to the line of scrimmage, call the play, run the play, and, and don't let them sub. And they don't have the depth. They just don't have the depth this year to uh, keep up, I don't think. I, you know, there was, a, there was a poll or a trivia question I heard uh, on Sports Talk Radio before the season started. How many teams that are currently ranked in the preseason top 10 will not be ranked at the end of the year? And 15 out of the last 16 years, at least one team has fallen out of the top 25 in preseason top 10. Hmm. And my first thoughts were Wisconsin and
0: Auburn. And Florida State, weren't they up there somewhere too?
3: No, not, not this year, but they were last year.
0: Yeah. I mean yeah. where, where are they see uh, well that that starts us down a whole different road of arguments that Tori and I are having about preseason polls. But
2: Well, I, I don't think they're arguments, Jim. I think we're all in agreement. They're a bunch of crap and they shouldn't even yeah. be there. It starts I mean, a narrative
0: that you can't like you can't shake and peep and then you end up in this weird situation where you have an undefeated Iowa team and all these one and two lost teams getting more votes and being ranked and you just kinda of like Great.
2: Well, here's a here's a good look into that mindset. While we're on the topic, uh, you know, I hit up uh, our good friend in front of the pod, uh, Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Today, I was like, "Hey, Steve, what's up with ranking uh, Michigan State in the top twenty-five, but not Iowa? They had a worse uh, uh, appearance versus their first opponent. Um, they haven't looked any better than Iowa, and Iowa's looked pretty good." And he's like, "Well, you know, they were ranked preseason. Plus, I, I I need to see what Iowa does against Wisconsin before I decide to put them in the top twenty-five. Why?" Right. Why?
0: Right. Nobody exactly. else has to do that.
1: <laughs> and, and Joel Clatt had a great point uh, earlier last week um, about abolishing the AP poll, which I don't fully agree with him on, though I do wish that it wouldn't come out until after the fourth week. Is that uh, two things uh, really hold that poll back? And it's uh, confirmation bias and then outright voter incompetence. Um, <laughs> and 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 I got to say, I'm, I'm right there with him. And why can't you just, you know, if Clemson doesn't look like the number two team, why can't you just write, rank them seventh or eighth or something? I, yeah, it starts a narrative and, oh, well, I said this last week, so I guess I have to agree with what I said weeks ago. But but you're right. We're we're now down a rabbit hole of, of well, I, I, one last related. point
2: though. One one last point, Mike. You can. You, I want you to give the last word on this. I, I'll give it back to you on that. But you, and you've seen sports writers. I've worked with sports writers. Do you know who watches the least amount of other college football? Maybe mm. than coaches. Freaking sports writers. They're yeah. out. They're traveling. They're at <laughs> games. They have no idea what's going on or who's good.
3: You know that was the good thing about uh, writing. Upon further review, the last couple of years, Tori was I got to watch a lot of football, and it wasn't just Iowa Hawkeye football. It was football from all over the United States. And stay up late and get the West Coast, and you know start at eleven o'clock in the morning and get the early feed, and and go to games that I probably wouldn't normally go to. And it's it's actually kind of fun.
1: Is that job well, taking applications?
3: Yeah. I,
2: I think we pull Mike back from uh, retirement. You know, he's going to have the 12 Saturdays bump from the podcast. (laughs) Uh,
0: You know, he's going to be a household. Because we know that's a a huge thing you can cash in all the way to the bank.
2: (laughs) He's going to be a household name again. And, yeah, it needs to come back because at least there's somebody that can plant their ass on the couch and spend, like, 18 hours doing nothing but watching football. Sports writers don't do that.
3: I'm Watched football all Saturday morning, and then I went to the OSU-TCU game Saturday night.
0: Oh, See, I think you'd have to wrestle Bill for that job, though. I'm just saying. Maybe you guys could take turns.
2: That way nobody gets burned out.
3: <laughs> there you go.
2: My wife and baby have other ideas for how I spend
0: my Saturday. So You keep taking it
2: easy for us, Mike. Uh, yeah, leave the bass
0: alone, for God's sakes, Mike. <laughs> what did they ever do to you? All right, before we let you go, though, uh, we're going to have to put you on the hook for a prediction, Mike. What do you think, yeah. uh, Coming into this game, I mean, this does not look like a uh, a repeat of last year, but what do you think? Where are we are going to be it, talking about?
3: It doesn't look like a repeat, and the closer I get to game time, the more I want to pick Iowa. But honestly, guys, until, uh, until the Hawkeyes show me that they can do what they need to do against Wisconsin to win, a, win we all know the Big Ten West Championship goes through Madison, and I think uh, right now, I'm leaning towards the badgers in, in another close typical Iowa Wisconsin game probably 20 to 17 or 21 to 17 something like that.
2: Well I for one love this pick as somebody who called you out publicly on the Hawkeye Report when you picked <laughs> Iowa State. So, you know, <laughs> see oh, yeah, I, I know, appreciate I, I appreciate you taking one for the team because I know in your black and gold heart you actually think Iowa's going to win but you can't go against a trend and for that sir I salute you.
3: Well, thank you very much.
0: <laughs> I think he's saying your integrity trumps your uh, your uh, loyalty to your to your fan base, and uh, he's doing that's... what he has to do to ensure an Iowa victory, and I appreciate it. All right, All right. <laughs> awesome. Well, Mike, it's been fantastic talking to you. Obviously, you uh, lend an air of legitimacy and credibility to the podcast that we don't typically enjoy. So, uh, thanks for that, and and hope to have you back sometime as the season yeah. goes on.
3: Thanks for having me at any time guys. I appreciate it. All
0: right. Thanks, Mike. Stay safe out on the water, my friend. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Thanks Mike. Mike. Well, that was a good good guest. Good talking to Mike and uh I th- I think he uh sheds a little bit of light on the science of uh line play and I think he has a lot in common with our friend of the podcast, coach Matt Campbell, who if we recall to <laughs> somebody Tory admires but no he did say you know at the, I think in his uh, post game after after uh, you know Iowa beat him is is that uh, he said you know for everything that they talk about and write about in this game ultimately it just comes down to the lines and he said and Iowa pushed Iowa state around and uh, that's why they won that's why Iowa state lost so
2: Yeah. trench warfare wins big 10 games and uh you're going to see that Oof. up close and personal on saturday and hopefully it goes better than the last
0: Year, that's for sure. It's going to be a showcase of uh, trench warfare. So, all right, guys, well, we can talk about uh, uh, Wisconsin and talk about our predictions, but first let's take a quick look back to last week, uh, the Gnome of Knowledge. Uh, I was on a streak there with two wins in a row, but uh, this time it looks like Bill got the closest. He. We all picked Iowa, of course, but uh, Bill. Um, picked the margin of victory at 29 um, uh, points. I think we're all a little optimistic. It was actually 24. Uh, So, you know, say what you want about those uh, meaningless touchdowns uh, at the end there. They certainly weren't meaningless for GNOME purposes uh, because they pushed pushed Tori and I out of competition and landed this thing right in Bill's lap. So congratulations on that one, Bill.
1: Man, if Racinos uh makes that kick that got blocked, uh I'm I miss the I'm off by one point. So yeah. exactly. Uh, exactly.
2: Off by one point like I was in my Hawkeye report prediction again. <laughs> um, I had it I had it thirty eight thirteen and I had Nate Stanley as my pick to click. So again, uh I'm much, much better on Wednesday or Thursday <laughs> than I am on Monday. But you know, I, I guess I'll just
0: take it. Well, Tori, you know what Mark Twain or whatever somebody used to say is like, you know, I don't know who said it, but if you if you just tell the truth all the time, you don't have to keep your story straight, right? So if you I just guess. make the same predictions in every one of your media outlets, then you won't have to remember who's who's kicking your ass in the, uh, <laughs> in the prediction. The problem is, I like to,
2: it's like for me though. It's like playing craps. I got to spread my bets out so that I can get you yeah. know, at least have a shot to win at some point. So how is that working out for around. you? Hey, I'm batting 500 i've won <laughs> twice uh i've okay. won every time on the hawkeye report i've lost every time on the podcast so
0: <laughs> could be worse well and it's what, what i found interesting is that we all kind of uh were just and and particularly you and i tory were slightly off in our pick to click i mean you picked uh brandon smith you know, going, coming out of the Iowa State game looked like he was the solid receiver option, you know, uh, and, and a good pick, except Nick Easley stole the show, right?
2: Well, um, if Stanley would throw the damn ball when he's open, I mean, how many times? <laughs> I saw him standing wide open like 20 yards down the field a couple times.
3: Yeah.
2: Give the kid the ball, man.
0: But then I picked <laughs> Torrin Young because I thought he was just going to bowl over these poor guys from uh, from Cedar Falls, but he was completely upstaged by Mackay Sargent. So it's just kind of interesting how we don't really have a standout star this year. You could have picked, you know, last year you would have said Wadley, you would have said, it, it's interesting how we're just slightly off in our picks, uh, picks to click. So
2: Hey, hey, Bill, that reminds me, I have a question for you. Uh, Jim, we are trying to think of who Makai Sargent reminded us of, because, you know, that's something fans do. And yeah. uh, Bill Bill had uh, our friend and podcast friend, Jordan Kanziri. What do you think? As far
1: as a, a comparison to Jordan
2: Kanziri? that's well, what yeah. I Do you say. think it has, does Sergeant kind of? I, I thought I thought Jim was pretty good on that one. Who, do, who does? A, do you think that's a good call? Or, or and B, if not, who do you think he looks like?
1: I think he looks more like a Jewel Hampton. If I had to say something, he's he's a little thicker, I think, than Kanziri. I don't think he's as fast. I don't think he makes as many cuts. I think he kind of runs. Uh, more physical and, and he's looking to run somebody over. He did on that uh, short touchdown one. He, it seemed like his goal there was to run the safety over and the touchdown was incidental. So I'm going to say hmm. Tank Hampton.
0: Okay, I, I,
2: That's a good I, one. That's a,
0: that's a blast from the past. I like that. I'm sticking Boom. with Kanziri just because of the way he runs. He's kind of a one-cut back, uh, maybe a two-cut back. But also, I, think, I actually think um, Sargent is a, uh, a better... Uh, passing threat, receiving threat out of the backfield. He had some really good uh, catch and run um, swing passes on Saturday. True, and uh, and and just you know, hat tip there. You know, here's a guy that joined the team in July to zero fanfare, right? Coming over from Iowa Western, and he's been phenomenal. So, um, uh, there, good pickup.
2: Yeah, actually, there were fans that complained about him because uh, I'm pretty sure there, and I can't remember the name of the recruit now. But there's a recruit that a lot of people wanted Iowa to uh, offer that they never did because, and then they, because they got sergeant instead. And uh, I think some of those folks are eating their words. Jarrell Brock I... from Iowa State. And, and That's right. My fellow
1: Hawkeye fans, if I can go on a real quick tangent here, <laughs> have kind of disappointed me. Because what's with the hate Chuck Long gets on Hawkeye Report? He's only the greatest decorated, uh, most decorated living Hawkeye out there. And and fans don't like him, so I don't know what you got to do. Why don't they like him? I don't. They don't like his I, announcing on the Big Ten network. Uh, he picked Iowa to go eight and five this year,
0: which you know is a smart pick over the last twenty years. He's got a job to do, you know. I mean, for me, I mean, I'm of the age and the vintage when I was a little kid and playing two on two football in the snow. Everybody was fighting to be Chuck Long.
2: I my mom don't.
0: told me. My mom told me a long time ago, if you don't have anything nice to say about
2: somebody, don't say anything at all. So I'm not going to talk about Chuck Long as announcer. Um, <laughs> but, I, but I will say he has the all time greatest quarterback name, and he's a damn good quarterback for Iowa. So I, I don't have anything bad to say about him. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, let's move Chuck on long to there. the. So so we're we're anointing Bill as this week's winner, but we've got to put. Uh, we got to get on the spot as far as uh, uh, our Wisconsin picks. So, Tori, we're going to put you up on the on the hot seat first. Tell us what you think. Oh, great! So I I'm winless on the
2: Gnome, and I have to go first. That, That's that why you like have a, to go first. I mean, yeah, we could exactly.
1: give you a little bit
2: more time since you need yeah. you need a lot of time. Can we can we check back in say on like Wednesday, or Thursday? Yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. Yo, Sunday would be ideal, actually. Yeah. Um. No, I. You know, you guys. I. I I think Iowa's going to win this. I just do. I mean, I think the latest start ever at Kinnick Stadium, crowd is going to be raucous. Atmosphere is going to be great. I feel like Wisconsin's got a little bit – they're a cornered, dangerous, angry animal, and that does worry me. But Iowa, I think, is still really, really, really ticked off about what happened in that game last year. Um, I think uh, we're going to be able to throw the ball a little bit, and I think we're going to do what we – to Jonathan Taylor, what we did to David Montgomery. Uh, I think Iowa pulls this one out. It's not going to be pretty. I think uh, they're going to get just enough offense and let's call it uh 24 to 21 Iowa. And uh, I'm sticking with the hot ham. I picked a clicks, Nate Stanley. He's uh, he's from Wisconsin and he's got something to prove to show he uh, picked the right team. And uh, you know, we're going to, Menominee, up Menominee
0: up Falls, or where's Menominee it from? Falls? Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, or no, just Menominee, like way oh. up by the uh, UP there. Mm. And uh, I think
0: we're gonna erase some of the ghosts of 2010, guys. Love it, uh, Bill. Oh. But you brought up 2010. That's you, know, you had me until that moment. So, <laughs> Jim, if if that's freaking you out, do not read the column this week. Oh, uh, I'm triggered.
2: All right, go
1: ahead, Bill. <laughs> I, I like your po- or your pick, Tori. I'm actually watching the uh, 2004 Iowa-Wisconsin game uh, where we effectively clinched the Big Ten title. And my heart is saying it's not even a, a, a close one. We win 27-7. to However, my head, and I'm going with my head, says Wisconsin beats us 20-6. to mm. I don't think our offense... Uh, has really been put to the test and when it came up against a big 12 defense we were able to score 13 points uh the mac team we played held us effectively scoreless the first half uh it took an fcs opponent where, for us to get the offense going and uh i, I i'm still afraid that we're not going to be able to move the ball on wisconsin we haven't for years um i think that our defense gets tired and they're able to rack up 20 points but Let's go AJ Epinesa with uh, two sacks for this game. He's my pick to click.
0: Oh, Bill, you took my pick to click. But uh, uh, good – no, I'm not going to say good pick. There, are, It's a sucky pick, and I hope that you're completely wrong. Uh, <laughs> me too. <laughs> I, I hope my pick makes me look like an idiot. Oh, but uh, – I
2: actually think coming into the game, we look more like 2004 than 2010 because this is the best D-line
0: we've had since 2004. That's... Just throwing that out there. Maybe – 2009 even so um all right well listen i'm gonna go with iowa on this one guys and i'm gonna say as the one guy who was sitting there in the stands on the evil four fourth and four with four seconds left in the fourth quarter down four somehow penn state scored a touchdown over the uh, outstretched fingertips of uh, amari hooker i see something similar this time but i see this time iowa gets a finger on the ball and knocks that away. Iowa wins 28-21. And my pick to click in this one is, uh, well, I'm, can I can I pick the the duo? Can I pick uh, Sergeant and uh, Young? Um, you're gonna let me pick a, a running back duo on this one?
1: Sure, why not? Just the there Iowa are no running rules. Game, so. Th- this one time, yeah.
0: All right, the Iowa running a- attack, the two-headed monster, uh, the thunder and lightning is able to somehow um, eke out about 150 yards against the Wisconsin defense that is a shadow of itself from last year. And, um, and they only are able to do that because Stanley and his receivers are able to put at least a little bit of a legitimate uh, passing threat together. So I'm thinking Iowa 28-21, Wisconsin drives late, but the, uh, but their last-second heroics fall just short. I love, love it. it. And I
1: will say that uh I'm reading right now that Andrew Van Ginkle, uh Iowa Western Zone and uh dang it, we lost out on him. Uh linebacker for Wisconsin doesn't look like he's going to play Saturday, so uh, yeah, no, hopefully no that No fan
0: across the middle then. Yeah,
1: bodes well for us. Well, I like it.
0: One way or the other, it's going to be it's going to be the late is it the latest start that's ever been at Kinnick Stadium, Tory? Yep, 7:30 yes, p.m. They've never kicked off that late before. That's Going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bill, I have to tell you a funny story sometime, maybe not on the on the podcast about um, going uh, through an alternate reality Iowa tailgate <laughs> that happened uh, to me this Saturday. So, um, but
1: somebody put a little LSD in your
0: <laughs> in like IPA there. It felt like it, man. We parked uh, we, we parked on a different side of the stadium uh, and ended up walking on Melrose from the West and all these different tailgates, all these different, you know, restaurants and, and, um, you know, food stands that I had never seen before. And I was telling Tori, it's so sad. We're such a creature of habit. We've been tailgating now for, going to these games for 20 years. And I never even went on the other side of the stadium. <laughs> I don't understand how there's restaurants though. Like there's no development out that way. Is there? There's that restaurant at the corner Tell of up. Melrose and what's the name of it?
1: Stella. it's uh it's the same menu as Nate Cading's restaurant shorts.
0: Yeah.
2: There's stuff over there, Tori. <laughs> I don't believe you. I was, like, I was like what language There there be dragons, like, Jim. What the... on the map it's just got like sea
0: monsters and bats.
1: My wife and I lived over there <laughs> off a of Mormon trek. I, I can confirm there's civilization that way. I was like wrong.
0: Man, I was like Magellan <laughs> on the wrong side of the equator, man. I'm like, what language do you speak over here? <laughs> Uh, it was it was fascinating. We're gonna have to head over there sometime. So, uh, all right. Well, guys, I hope it's gonna be a great game. I know uh, I know everybody's gonna be very lit up, and the crowd will be as loud as it's been. Maybe the loudest it's ever been with our new enclosed end zone. So. Uh,
2: you know, and I, I and I don't know if we're still recording or not, but if we are, you know, I, I do think that we do kind of discount a little bit sometimes the, the effect that home field advantage has. You know, and I think that that fired up Wisconsin last year, and I think it can fire our guys up this year. So well, let, let's hope that it
0: happens. It was almost enough to close the gap with Penn State, almost, but just a matter of inches. I think we see something similar to that. So with a better just outcome. Hoping kinnick
2: on. magic the bermuda triangle where <laughs> top
0: 10 teams go to die i love it who is it in reddit they said that place is the bermuda triangle for college football and somebody's like yeah kinnick is built on an indian burial ground
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right well guys hopefully we're back here next week talking about indianapolis but for now we'll just have to close it as we always do with on iowa go hawks beat
1: nebraska